Thanks for being here this morning. My name is Jason Cruz. And if you've got a Bible, turn with it uh, in that Bible to Matthew chapter 6. If you're on a device, uh, we're going to be looking at Matthew 6 this morning. We're going to read that together here in a minute. Uh, I use the New American Standard version. So uh, if you NASB, and so if you want to do that. So today we're going to talk about practicing God's presence. In the way of Jesus, we've learned that Jesus had some lifestyle habits. And you've heard me say many times that the way of Jesus came about as we began to look through the Gospels. What were some recurring lifestyle habits that Jesus practiced? It's not what would Jesus do, it's what Jesus actually did. What did Jesus actually do? And one of the things Jesus did was he walked with God. He walked with the power of the Father all the time. And so we're going to look this morning at the, the, the Lord's Prayer and the model prayer, and we're going to talk specifically, what I would call it, approaching God the way Jesus did, right? may not be the best, most grammatically great title, but it's, you know, the goal of communication is clarity, people, right? That's the goal of communication. And so my, my goal this morning is to talk to us a little bit about how did, God, how did Jesus approach the Father? The disciples used to ask Jesus, how do we pray? And they weren't saying, like, literally, how do we pray? They were saying, how do we pray like that? How do we pray like you prayed? Show us how to do that. So here's the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, we call it. And it starts, it's, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' first public, public sermon. In Matthew 6, 9, this is what he says. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's always done in heaven. We pray for your will to be done on earth is what he's saying. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Your Bible may say trespasses right there. Forgive us our sins, our trespasses as we forgive those who've sinned against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, when it comes to practicing God's presence, it's hard. I don't know of a single Christian. I've never met a Christian. If I did meet somebody that said, oh, I've got this whole prayer thing down, I would be super skeptical of that person, right? You know, oh, I hear from God. Just, I mean, it's just easy for me. I, it's hard. It's hard at, t- at times. I don't know of anybody that doesn't struggle with, is that is that just a desire in my heart or is that God talking to me? Right? You've been there. You've been there many times. Y'all are looking at me like y'all don't ever struggle with that. A few people are honest in here, right? The rest of you are like, am I supposed to respond? I don't really know. Yeah, it's hard, okay? I'm telling you confessionally, it's hard. It's hard sometimes to know, I, is, is God pushing me towards something or is this just a desire of my heart? You know, there's a, a line in a song that always struck me. Uh, this one artist said it this way, sometimes I feel like I'm as close as your shadow. And sometimes I feel like I'm looking up at you from the bottom of the Grand Canyon, so small and so far. You know, it, it's, isn't that true? There's times you ever felt like, man, if I turn around fast enough, I might catch a glimpse. You know, I've had, I've had worship moments like that, and often not even in, in a church. Just I've had times where God encounters me unexpectedly, and I'm like, if I turn around, I might, I might see him. And then there's times I do feel like I'm about this tall and he's seven million miles away and I don't really know. You ever, you ever have this feeling with your prayer life? You ever have, feel like there's times you're really talking with God and then there's times you feel like you're just talking toward him? You ever feel that makes sense? Like you're just, I'm just, 
pushing out some content into the stratosphere, hoping he catches it, hoping it's working. I don't really know. Y'all are looking at me like you're really holy. Okay, I struggle with that, just me, you know. That's hard sometimes. And so I, I, don't, I don't see that always in the life of Jesus, although I do see Jesus being very honest with God, the Father. Remember in the garden, those were some very honest moments. Remember on the cross when he said, you've left me. Like you've forsaken me. You abandoned me. And you, that's honest. But Jesus had a practical presence with God. And I, I'm, I'm, I want to dig into that. So I'm going to give you two key truths this morning, okay? Just to kind of set this up. All right? This one doesn't deal with the Lord's Prayer, but it is part of you learning to practice the presence. And here's a key truth. Number one, God gave me dominion over my pace. Okay? God's given you dominion of a whole lot more than you're comfortable with. All right, if you want to talk to me more about that, I'll hang out later and I'll talk to you how. You've been given dominion of a lot of decisions in your life. You've been given God dominion. What is dominion? Control. You've been, you've been given dominion and stewardship over a lot of things like your money. You've been given stewardship over a lot of things. And one of those things you've been given stewardship over is how you spend your time. You've been given stewardship over the pace at which you live. And, and nobody's forcing you to live at a pace that you don't want to live at. I'm serious. Your pace is your responsibility. You don't have to answer emails at 9 o'clock at night. You don't. Now, you may go through a short season, but if you find yourself exhausted, you start auditing your habits. If you find yourself not having time for God, a lot of times it's because you're not carving it out. At least that's been my own experience. So if you're going to experience God, and if you're going to walk in the presence of God, and if you're going to experience how to pray like Jesus prayed, I can tell you something that I've learned. I've got to take dominion over my own dirt. The things in my life that I have control over. And I can promise you, if you want to be close to God, friend, let me give you some encouragement. You can. If you want to be close to God, you can. But you're going to have to live differently. You with me? You're going to have to live differently. See, it all comes down to what you want. Our appetites, you've heard me say this many times, your appetite drives behavior. It really does. The things you crave show up in your lifestyle, right? And so, you know, sometimes at the age of 50, I look in the mirror and I'm like, wow, metabolism. You know, and I, then I want to make excuses, you know. But truthfully, you know, I've got to drop maybe four or five pounds at the most, you know. Why? Because I choose to eat the way I do. Nobody's forcing me to do that. I have dominion over my choices. So if you want, I, I, I'm going to give you a picture. This is, this is what you're going to have to do. If you want to practice the presence of God, you're going to have to do what the fish is doing. you got to change bowls. Because if you live in the crowded bowl, in the hurry bowl, if you live in the waters that are toxic with notifications, and if you live in the waters of everybody yelling at you all the time and, and, and working till 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night and, and getting up early, if, you know, if you're burning the candle on both ends, pretty soon you don't have a candle, right? You just you don't have that. I heard somebody one time say, well, man, I'll tell you what, I'd, I'd rather burn out than rust out, meaning I'd rather burn out from all this activity than rust out from being lazy. Well, here's the news, Hoss, you're out either way, <laughs> right? So the truth of the matter is you're going to have to be willing to make some habits differently in your life, and that's what the Lord's Prayer is about. 
Now I'll give you one more key truth, and I'm not going to spend much time here, but I'm going to give it to you right now. Number one, uh, number two rather, the Lord's Prayer is a model, not a mantra. Not a mantra, right? It's not. Now, most of us learned, I remember the first time I ever heard the Lord's Prayer was in the locker room of a basketball game. I didn't go to church. And my family every now and then would go, but I did not know. I wasn't raised in a New Testament Christian home. I was raised in a, in a God-fearing home, but, you know, that did not find its way into New Testament Christianity. I can promise you that, right? So when I became a Christian, I'm like, oh, I've heard that before. I, I heard that at a basketball locker room one time that the coach had us go over every time. So I had to go, had to go look it up in the seventh grade. I didn't know what that was about. But I can tell you, all kinds of people say this like it's just vain repetition. Jesus told us very specifically, do not pray in vain repetition. Don't just throw words to God. So the Lord's Prayer, what Jesus is getting at is there is a framework here, and that's what I want to deal with this morning. I want to deal with this idea of we're going to break it down, and we're going to look at what, what, what when Jesus said pray like this, he's not saying pray this prayer every day. He's not. What he's saying is this is the framework. So let's, let's look at it that way. Number one, he says in uh, verse 9, Pray then this way, our Father. Let me tell you where he starts out. Now, I'm going to move through these pretty fast, so like stay with me, okay? Our Father, that's about relationship. And I think what, what he's getting at is right out of the gate, what Jesus is doing is he's telling you, you're not just praying at somebody. You're not just praying to some providential being. You know, a lot of our, our, a lot of our uh, American forefathers were people that believed in providence, they believed that there was this being up there, but they were kind of deists, like Thomas Jefferson, people like that. They were deists. They believed that there is some kind of spiritual being, he, but he sets us free to do whatever we want. And Jesus saying, no, 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 no. No, when you're saying our Father, it means there's, a, there's an implied relationship. You need to, I think it's about knowing who you're talking to. You know, I can tell you this, for me, as a dad, I, I will tell you, I have learned more about how God loves me than I've ever learned by being a dad. I really have. I've been able to understand. You know, I, I tell, I've told many people that when they had their first baby, you know, I'm like, listen, man, there's no kind of pain like the pain of your kids. When they, when they break a bone, you're like, oh, man, I, I, I would take that off of them if I could. There's no kind of pain like when your kids struggle when something, when they go through something, man, where, where did, I, you know, I loved my two sons before I ever met them. All I had to do was see the ultrasound, weirdest looking thing in the world. And, you know, it's like black and white television, all this snow, and all of a sudden, boom, a picture pops out of nowhere, and there's a human. I'm like, all right, got a son, you know, got me a son right there. I instant, I, I didn't even, I hadn't even met him yet. I loved him, right? Where'd that come from? It comes from the Lord. We're made in his image. So God's our father. And, and I think he's wanting us to know, hey, look, I have a relationship with you. Jesus has a relationship with us. So let's go to the second part. Pray then this way. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is kind of an older word. It's a word that is all about setting apart. It's a word that, that, that in, in effect means worship. That, that's how he's starting out. He's saying, listen, I am, I am praying to the God of the universe here. So if you want to approach God, I would start out in the morning or anytime you approach him, I would start out by doing what we might call a big church word, adoration. 
Just, just adore God for a minute. Let me tell you what's happening right now. The Bible tells us that right now in heaven that, that there, are, there are angels that surround the throne 24-7. And that, you know what they're not? You know, let me tell you what they're not doing right now. What they're not doing is talking to God about their ACL repair. All right? They're not saying, oh, you know, they're not coming to God with a thousand requests. It says they approach the throne and they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 24-7, right? And, and that's why that's really important that you understand that right out of the gate when Jesus is telling us how to pray, notice he's starting with worship. And I'll tell you why that matters. If you look in the Old Testament and if you look in the New Testament, there's something consistent about the way people in the Old Testament prayed and there's something consistent about the way they prayed in the New Testament. If you'll read the prayers of, of what's going on in the Bible, almost every time, nothing's 100%, but almost every time, they don't start out with the need. They don't. They start out with talking to God about who he is. Go and read the prayers of the Old Testament. Read John chapter 4, I think it is, where Peter and them get imprisoned. And they come back and they tell the church, hey, we have, we've been in prison. You know how American churches would have prayed? They would have prayed, oh God, get them out of prison. They don't pray that. They don't. They spend the first part of that prayer, and it's the same thing you see in the Old Testament. I'm telling you, if you want insight into your prayer life, I'm giving them. This is way better preaching than you're letting on right now. I'm just telling you, okay? Let me, I'm telling you, if you'll start out this way, it'll do something to you, friend. Start telling God who he is. He hadn't forgotten. Why did they do that? To remind themselves. Oh, You'll see, it, you'll see it in Nehemiah. You'll see them where they'll start out saying, God, God, you parted the Red Sea and you put Pharaoh in the dust. And oh God, you did this and by your name, the nations were established. And oh God, you made a covenant through Moses. I've seen prayers where they go like lines and lines and lines and lines and lines. And like, what, what are they praying about? Like they're just giving me an Old Testament history. And then they get to the request. Just watch and see. What's going on right there? They're reminding themselves of who they're praying to. And that's what Jesus is getting at when he says, hallowed be your name. Now he goes on, verse 10, your kingdom come, right? So when you approach God, know that you're talking to a father, spend some time worshiping him. Now, this is something that I find myself praying a lot. Your kingdom come. Now, what is Jesus getting at right there? He's getting at alignment, Right? You hear me talk about the kingdom all the time. Jesus talked about the church very, very, very little. But he talked about the kingdom all the time. All the time. It's the theme of his ministry. And that's about aligning your heart. So notice what he says in verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is about making my heart align with God's heart. I'll tell you something about my own, just my own prayer life in general. You know, my greatest heart's desire was not and has not and is not. My greatest heart's desire was, has not and ever been to be a pastor. Nope. It hasn't been to speak. It hasn't been to write books, produce media. Hasn't been any of that. My greatest heart's desire was to be used of God to move the kingdom forward. 
Now, that takes on different roles. It looks like different things in life. But I'm telling you, friend, if you want to see your prayer life change, you are absolutely inside the will of God. When you pray and say, God, make your kingdom come today through me. When you can say, hey, God, I'm about to go into a sales meeting. Let Bring the kingdom forward through me in this meeting. Hey, God, you know. My kids have had a, you know, my, 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 my seven or eight-year-old has had a horrible week. They're completely disrespectful. I'm about to spank them in Jesus' name. Make, make the kingdom come, right? That was a good joke. Y'all didn't get it, right? But the kingdom comes when you do stuff like that, right? Because you're teaching them the whole world. I could go in. I'm going to get canceled. But it's okay. It won't be the first time, right? No, you, you can have the kingdom come through anything when you say, no, God, my heart's desire in any situation what, anything I buy, anything I purchase, anything I spend, anything I want, that's what he's saying. Align my desires, God, with your desires. Align my desires. And I want to tell you something. Notice what Jesus did right here. He's doing something you see in the Old Testament. He hasn't got to the request yet. If you notice that? He's told the disciples, if you want to pray, here's a way to do it. And now he moves in to the request. Here's what he's not doing. You know what he's not praying? Look at what's not being said. And look, look at how often we pray. Just start listening. How, you, you want to insight into your own prayer life? Just listen to what you ask God. Just listen to what you ask. And listen to what other people ask. And you'll hear a common theme. And you know what that common theme is? Bless me. Bless what I want to do. Bless what I've already done. Bless what I intend to do. God bless this. God bless that. God, I'm about to do this. Bless this. Bless that. Bless that. I call them bless me prayers. And I want to say something to you, friend. That's not praying. That is not praying. It's just not. It's, it's not praying to say, oh, God, bless this. Oh, God, bless that. Because most of the time, Henry Blackaby said it better, that man, you know, uh, in, in Baptist history who told us when, when the study came out experiencing God, one of the greatest tools I took away from that study, the many times I did it, is he said, most of the time, what we're doing in situations like that is we're telling God, I I'm going to do this. Now, I just need you to sign off on it. And that's not praying. What happens is when we say to God, your kingdom come, your will be done, I'm going to change my life to adopt your life. You with me? Amen or oh me? Amen. Amen. Right. I'm, gonna, I'm willing to change my life to bend what I want to fulfill your... See, the kingdom of God is like a train on tracks. God's not stopping that train for you. You, you hear me? He's not. He's, not, his, he's going to accomplish his will whether you join in or not. What's gonna, what, he's, what, what Jesus is saying right here is, I want your kingdom to come in me, and I'm going to adopt your version of it. Then he gets to the request. Here we go. Now it gets personal. Give us this day, right, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Now here's what that's about. That's about trusting. Now, after you have sat with God... After you have entered into the throne, after you have said, hey, God, if there's anything in me I'm going to pray about today, or if there's anything with me out of alignment, what happens when your vehicle's out of alignment? You know what they do? They have a special tool, right? They go in there, and they literally change the frame, and they get it lined back up so that your tires don't 
wear out faster and you don't have all these car problems. So what you spend your time doing is approaching God. You go to him in worship. You tell him who he is. You sit with him and you're not in a hurry. And you align your heart to his heart. And you, and you get that out of you and you say, I'm, I'm fully yours today. Now you're into a place where he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. This is about trusting God with your provision. Trusting God. So this is the place where you could say to God, hey, these are the things that are on me today. Hey, God, I've got to have this tough conversation with my mom. Hey, God, I've got to have this really hard conversation with this lady I work with. And you know what I've been going through. Hey, God, my son is really going through something, and I, I need... I want to bring that before you. Jesus is talking here about trusting God with our daily bread. It's just enough. Let me tell you something about the days of the Bible. In America, we value stability big time. We value everything laid out, a 401k, a future that's set. In fact, in America, you're seen as unstable, as not trustworthy if you haven't done everything you can to make your future secure. Well, that's not how they lived back then. Life was a lot more hand-to-mouth. It just was. And so they had to learn to trust God with the daily bread. Notice he didn't say, oh, God, take care of my grocery bill all month long. That's not what he said. No, God, I'm trusting you for today. What did Jesus say about tomorrow? You remember? It's got enough worry of its own. Yeah, you know, you, hey, newsflash to all of you that haven't picked up on this yet. You're not in control of anything. I mean nothing. Nothing. You're going, I don't know. Some of you control addicts like, I don't know, I'm doing a pretty good job. Yeah, look around. What you don't know is all the other people that ain't telling you how much they don't like you. Right? Because you're hard to deal with. Right? You ever dealt with, you know, I know that's none of y'all in here. Right? You ever dealt with manic control people? Yeah. What are they trying to do? Control everything. Right? Yeah, pretty soon you just got your own little kingdom. Right? Nobody's wanting to deal with you. It's about trusting. Well, let's get to another one. Let's move on. Now we, Jesus gets to a different category. Think of these like buckets. Think of it like a spreadsheet for those of you that are Excel people. He's moving into a different category here, a different line item. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Your Bibles may say trespasses. Now I would tell you when it comes to your... Now Jesus told us to pray this way, so this needs to be in a lot of your prayer life, Right? We're talking about praying for forgiveness and forgiving other people. That's about freedom. That's about freedom. When, when you're holding on to hurt and when you're holding on to pain, what, why, why is it that, you know, this is something that's hard for me. I'm just, you know, going to be transparent with you. This is something I think is true for all of us. We are really quick to pray that God would forgive us, but my goodness, are we slow to offer it, right? It's hard. It's hard. Why? Well, we're human. Don't beat yourself up. We're human. 
But I will tell you something about this part of the prayer. This is the only part of the model prayer that Jesus actually comes back and offers a qualifier. So let's just read it starting at verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive, have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, power, and glory forever. Amen. Verse 14. Here's, he comes back around to it. For if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Awesome. Verse 15. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you your transgressions. Not awesome. Think about that. That is conditional, is it not? That's a conditional contract. You ever signed a contract? You probably signed many of them. That's a conditional contract. And I think we don't like that. We don't like it. It's really hard. I would say to you, when you go before the Lord, you need to say, God, am, am I harboring resentment? Let me tell you something, man. It's a dangerous toxin. And if you're honest with God and if you're honest with yourself, you deal with this more often than you'd like to admit. People let you down. People don't do things the way you want them done. People violate your trust. People make you mad. And all those things you stack up. One of my buddies, Greg, he has a great way, he has a great label on this. I think this is the best way I've ever thought about it. He says, you know, you think, one time we were talking about it, he said, you know, Jason, he said, I found that when people let me down, I put them on mental probation. He said, and if they, if, if they keep doing, and you know what, I, he's right. And what I've learned about this is when, pe- when I put people on mental probation, you know what I start doing? All of a sudden, when I put on the mental probation lenses, well, now I'm looking at you different. I'm looking at you different. And you know what I start looking for? Not all the things I like about you. I'm just looking for more things to put you on probation about. Now, I know none of y'all do this. I'm just telling you I do it sometimes. And all of a sudden, you start stacking up grievances. When 1 Corinthians 13 tells us love keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, man, but I got a good list. Like, I mean, this is a worthy list. Like, I mean, these people, this, this list, I just didn't make this up, God. Like, they've done this stuff. Yeah, you want to talk about your list? Well, we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about, they're talking about their list, right? It's the truth. So why would Jesus tell us about this issue. It's about freedom. And why would he tell us, this is, we're going to get even a little more personal. Why would he tell us to pray to release those people? Because of the prison that it puts us in. So see, we're told to go to God by Jesus. We're told to go to the Father and not only ask for forgiveness, but offer it and keep offering it and keep offering it. I love what uh, Pastor Larry Stockstill prays. He's a pastor out of Louisiana. He's very tied in with Church of the Highlands and he's a big mentor to their staff. And he, but he's a pastor in Louisiana. And this is what he said. Look at this. I love this quote, man. Go to the, yeah, we go. He said, it's almost impossible to remain bitter at someone who you're asking God to be merciful to. Boy, that'll preach, won't it? 
You know, and you know where I've struggled at times? I'll, I'll try to take this to heart. Okay, God, you told me to pray for forgiveness. And then I'm going I'm to you know, pray and I'll put out the person's name. And then I have no words. And that's where I just rely on the holy grunt that talks about in Romans 8. Like, there's, there's many people I've prayed for by just going, Ugh! <laughs> next. <laughs> you know, that's be- it's better than nothing, right? I'm, I'm being way more transparent than y'all. Y'all are giving me nothing. I'm, get, I'm being way more transparent with y'all this morning. There's people I pray for, man, and I'm just like, I ain't, I ain't got nothing for that person. In fact, I want them to have a rash, and I'm just going to say it right now, God, you decide where you put it, but I just rash, you know. But it's really hard. It's really hard to pray for people that you're asking God to be. Because you know what's happening right there? All of a sudden, what begins to happen? Oh, man. Oh, I need to let that go. Because I think, I think what happens, you know, you know one of my, if I'm, if I'm being just brutally candid with you guys, this, well, you know one of the things I'm afraid of? I try not to be afraid of anything, but I would, I'll tell you, there's times I get afraid of things. And, and I think if there's one thing I know I'm very much afraid of, it's a hard heart. Because a hard heart translates into everything I touch. It translates into how I parent. It translates into how I deal with people. It translates into how I talk to people. Translates into my daily mood. But it'll do more than that. A hard heart, you know what it'll do? It'll fog up your decision-making filters. It will. It'll, it'll, It'll start toxifying you. That's why we put so much emphasis at Clearview on freedom ministry and keys to freedom and freedom prayer and empower workshops because we know this is real life and it does that to you. See, there's something about this prayer of forgiveness that happens right here. And, and, and I'm going to, I kind of drew it out for you this morning with my mouse. Or, uh, I think I actually added this one in today. Because there's something about reciprocity. That's kind of the best way I could describe it. But, but there's this loop that you get caught in about forgiveness. Because as you're asking to be forgiven, you must also forgive. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at right there when he's talking about verse, uh, verse 12. It, it's a loop. And then he jumps on down again to verse 14 and 15. There's this continuous cycle. One thing feeds off the other. So as you forgive, you've got to be forgiven. And as you've for, been forgiven, you've got to forgive. And as others forgive you, you've been forgiven. And, and it's this constant loop that you're going over. And that's part of our daily prayer life. Now let's move to the next one. Verse 13. Now this one's weird. I'm just going to tell you, it's weird. It doesn't translate very well in the English language. It just doesn't. Because it can throw you off with God if you're not careful. It says, verse 13, it says, and do not lead us. I'm reading from the NAS. It says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I think the NIV says you're the evil one. And I tell you, to be honest with you, I've never, ever claimed to be a Greek scholar. I had some amazing Greek professors way on back in the day. And I've never been one to say, I don't know, that it's very rare if I've said, you know, I don't, I don't like, it, 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 but I, there's something I don't understand. I'm not going to say I don't like it, I just don't understand it. I don't understand 
why this one is said the way it is. Because when, when you, when, how the English translation landed on this, because that idea of deliver us from the evil one, that's really pretty much straight out of the Greek language. And so, so this one's hard. It's hard because if you read it at first glance, well, he's, it's almost like God could lead you into temptation. That's, that's why I said it's, it doesn't translate well into English. If you've ever been to a foreign country and worked with translators, I've, been, I've had many translators that when they get stopped, they'll be like, hey, was something, did I say something wrong? No, I'm just trying to think about how the, I say that in Russian. Yeah, it, 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 it just has to be done differently. And to get the idea across. If you read most of your muscular theologians across the ages, they all pretty much agree that this is a prayer of protection. It's, it's about saying to God, hey God, I pray that you would protect me from the powers of evil today. Because I'll tell you why. Because God doesn't lead us into temptation. You know how we know that? James chapter 1. Look on the screen. James chapter 1 says in verse 13, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. Okay, so scriptures, Jesus obviously knows this. I mean, it's not that scripture's contradicting itself. It says, for God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone. James 1 verse 13. So we know God doesn't lead us into temptation. So if that's the case, then what is he getting at? What he's getting at is that there are evil forces in this world. And he's praying that God keep the enemy far from me. Keep the enemy far from my mind. Keep the enemy. I, I have a, an agreement that I pray. I prayed it this morning. I pray it probably four or five times a week on the first part of the day. And I remind myself, my mind is holy and it rejects impurity. That's not lust and greed. That's anything. My mind is holy. I have the mind of Christ. The Bible tells me I have the mind of Christ. So, so I'm, I'm trying to align my mind in the morning. That my, I will not be angry today. I will, not, I will not give the devil a foothold on this issue. God, keep my mind holy. Let me see things the way I'm supposed to see them. Let me hear things the way I'm supposed to hear them. I'm trying to align my mind. And I think, because I know, this is what I know. I don't know about you, but, but in your own personal experience, I don't know what you've experienced, but I can tell you this. Here's how the devil does not deal with me. He doesn't jump out from some behind some azalea and go, ooh, right? He doesn't do that. You know how he gets to us? It starts here. Almost every time, friend, that's why your mind is the battlefield, it's why your mind is the place that you have to. It's why Paul said in Romans 12, align your mind. Be transformed where? Not in your feet or your ankles. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Because that's where you encounter the enemy. Usually first, somewhere between the head and the heart, the will and the attitude, the wants and the needs. In that little 18-inch journey right there, that's the battlefield. So Jesus has given us a template. He's given us a template for praying. You know, it means a lot to us that you would come here today and be a part of who we are. It really does matter to us more than you might realize. Sometimes I think we underestimate the power we have to influence people. You know, if you would look around your world, you'd be amazed at how many people 
would receive what you have to say to them. You could be a digital missionary. You don't have to post everything on Facebook or we're not asking you to go on your favorite social platform, but I would challenge you to look around your world. I guarantee you might have a friend, even in a different state or another part of the world, something was said today, whether a sermon, a prayer, a song, something was said that could mean a lot to them, man, send it to them. And you'd be amazed at how much of a difference that could make.